Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. I'm April Vokey, and you are listening to Anchored my chance to speak with some of the most influential people involved in the fishing world today. Join me as I travel to sit face-to-face with my guests in their own homes to learn more about their careers, opinions, history, relationships, and life both on and off the water. I am thrilled to say that this episode was made possible by the wonderful people at Hatch Outdoors. There's a reason you've been seeing Hatch on all the guideboats these days, and the reason is that quality gear is invaluable when it comes to landing that fish of a lifetime. I've been using Hatch Reels since their first year of business, and I can honestly say that when it comes to confidence in my equipment, Hatch has never let me down. Every component of a Hatch Reel is proudly made in the USA, but it's their prompt customer service that really shines through. Hatch supports the industry, the economy, and the environment. Please share the support and make your next reel a hatch. I promise you won't regret it. Will Flack is the only Belizean Canadian I know. Guide, retailer, product developer, he's the guy from the catalogs with the permit tattoos on his neck, and the same man who came up with the cloud shirts so many flats guides are wearing these days. I met up with Will in Belize for a quick chat before he had to go out on a charter. In this episode, we talk about the struggles of permit and tarpon fishing. I was born in Richmond, British Columbia, and uh, raised on Vancouver Island. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I did a little stint up north when my dad was stationed up there with the RCMP, but uh, on a terrace. But when I was four, I moved to uh, Vancouver Island and was there, yeah, pretty much my whole life. Did your family fish? Yeah, my dad was a huge outdoors guy, you know, um, big time skier, camping, canoeing, all that stuff. And when we moved to the coast, it just made sense that he got into fishing and, and uh, you know, had, had fished for trout when we were kids 
But uh, yeah, I became a big salmon guy. Because you're a steelhead guide on the Sestet. That's true, yeah. Did you guide anywhere else before the Sestet? No, I was, I was a steelhead fisherman before when I was living in the interior. I used to uh, go out west, Chilco, and fish there, fish the Thompson. Um, but no, never never steelhead guided anywhere else until until the Sustet. Jeff Vermillion and I found each other, and I've been there for a while now. How long has it been? God, it's got to be 10 years, I think, coming up. All right. Yeah. Okay, so you're 38. So you would have started guiding at 28. What were you doing before then? Were you just fishing like mad? I was spending my winters in Belize. You know, I was, uh, I kind of tried to figure out the best program so I could fish, you know, as much as possible. So... I was uh, doing a little bit of trout guiding in the summer and working as much as I can. You know, I have an apprenticeship, so I was doing a lot of electric, electrical work and stuff. I was working for a power line company for a while. I was just doing as much work as I could do and then as much fishing as I could do in my spare time and spending a lot of time in Belize when it got too cold in Canada. Okay, so why Belize? Because anyone who hasn't heard of you, let me explain. If you've seen the guy on the Sims catalog with the permit tattoo on his neck, that's Will Flack. This guy is, he, I mean, you literally uprooted your entire life almost 20 years ago and moved to Belize. Is that right? Yep. I've, uh, most of my adult life I've been coming here. But how? I, how did it start? Um, a friend, a friend just uh, said he was uh, coming back to Belize. He'd been here the year before and wanted to know uh, if anybody wanted to go with him. And I came down here and uh, for nine days, I think, the first time. And uh, I fell in love with it right away. I actually uh, told told uh, the guide that was uh, guiding us the first time I came down. I'm like, you know, we're I'm moving here. We're going to be neighbors one day. And uh, turns out that's uh, one of my best friends now. Is that Abby? <laughs> that's Abby. Yeah. Uh-huh. So we're uh, you know we live what three doors apart now on the beach. Yeah. So it worked out. Uh, it worked out good. It really did. Did you just hire a local guide when you were coming out? Yeah. So when I first started coming down. I did a lot of bone fishing, kayaking in the back, and, and um, I taught myself, you know, the whole lagoon system pretty much from here to Mexico on my own, just learning, you know, the intricacies of the tidal flows back there, and, you know, if anybody knows anything about saltwater flats fishing, bone fish is usually where you start, mm-hmm. you know, you get good at that, and you try for permit tarpon after that, but usually most people's, you know, entry into saltwater fishing is bonefish. So I just, for the first few years, I just boat fished a lot. Out of San Pedro specifically? Uh, Yeah. And, and, you know, and I traveled traveled to other parts of the country, but I I fell in love with it here. Just the first thing was the water, you know, the turquoise Belizean water. What's not to love about it? You fly over, you see it, and you're just mesmerized. But, yeah, the fishery up north here in in San Pedro and Everglades Key, I think is a lot more diverse than, than, you know, other parts of the country. You know, you get down to... You know, Belize City, it's a lot more deeper water, the rivers are there, you know, it's, uh, and as you move more south from that and you get out of uh, Placencia and Punta Gorda, it turns into more of a permit fishery. I mean, you can still find tarpon, you can still find bonefish, but not in the numbers that you find up here in the north. Mm. You know, it's, uh, right, we're right at the southernmost tip of the Yucatan Peninsula. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the Grand Slam opportunities for fly fishing, you know, it's just like the rest of the Yucatan, like in Mexico. The fishery is just so prolific. Yeah. You know, the bonefish, and you've seen it firsthand this week and the other times you've been here to visit me, but, you know, it, we've got a lot of tarpon, we've got a lot of permit, we've got a lot of bonefish up here. So if, you, if you're if you into saltwater fishing and you want that kind of experience where you want to kind of see it all, this is a great place to come. And for me, 
that was that's what did it for me was the diversity of the fishery and the proximity to the reef. You know, the reef is 600 yards from my front door. I see it every day, and it's uh, you know it's just a great ecosystem, and and the people are great here, and uh, it's family. Mm-hmm. So that's no, and why. I, and I can see that. I mean, that's everyone why. who walks by your house is like, "Hey, boy." You know, you, it's like you know everybody on this island. So can you give me a summary uh, of, of the last 20 years and how it's how it's working out for you as far as not only living but working? And really, I want you to explain to people what you do here with the shop and your guiding and, and, and all that. When I first came down a long time ago when I was spending, you know, I was selling my flies. You know, I was just tying custom flies and uh, fishing as much as I could and selling them to the gringos that were coming down and, and uh, a lot of the guys were looking looking for flies and that that's kind of was my entry into Belizean culture and, and working down here. Long story short, I just uh, I bought the fly shop 2011. For anybody who doesn't know, I didn't really I didn't really want to buy a fly shop. I don't want to own a fly shop. You know, you don't. When you're a fishing guide and a fisherman, you want to be out on the water. You don't want to be standing behind a counter. But uh, I bought the fly shop uh, mostly because we had there was a tournament associated with it called the Trace Piscato Slam that had been it was fairly new. It was in the second or third year, and um, you know I didn't want that tournament to stop. It was the only fly fishing tournament in Belize. It was a good thing for the community, a great thing for the fishery, and it was really important to me. I had fished it the first couple of years, three years. And then all of a sudden, hey, the shop might close, the tournament might go away. And uh, so even though I didn't want to own a fly shop, I didn't want the tournament to to stop. So I bought the fly shop to save the tournament is what I did. Wow. It just went from there, you know, the, rebranded the shop and, you know, we're on our what? This is going to be the eighth season for the Trace Piscato Slam Tournament. We get about 25 boats a year. And the whole community kind of rallies around it. It's 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 a big deal for uh, Belizean sport fishing. It really is. I'm really really proud um, of what it's become and and what it is right now. And we, uh, you know, we donated uh, fifteen thousand dollars this last year in 2015 to Oceana Belize to stop the gillnet campaign. Wow. It's um, it's really important for me to get the gillnet band in Belize. It's such a, you know, you have so much bycatch and it's, you know, you just can't target one fish, you know, you end up with permit in the nets, bonefish in the nets, whatever it is. I would like to see, you know, a transition for those guys that do have gill nets for the country to rally and find a way to stop the gill net, let fisheries come back and get different livelihoods for those guys, you know, make them tour guides, show, get, get them to show, you know, the beauty of Belize. And uh, so it was important for us and I think it was important for a lot of the anglers in the tournament, and everyone agreed that that was an important statement that we needed to make. So we're really passionate about that. We're working really close with Oceana and trying to educate people on why we want to do this. And, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's super important. So that was a big thing for us. Um, getting back to the why I live in Belize, you know, it's the permit capital of the world. That's why I live here. If you want to be miserable, go chase permit, really. Yeah. It's... it's uh, <laughs> I should have been a bass fisherman or, or something. Um, the, you know, it's, it really is. The, just geographically, um, we have just tons of habitat, and it's just a beautiful place and beautiful back, background to just fish for these amazing fish that you don't always get. You know, you go yeah. weeks, months, years. 
and then you just hit at that right time and then but you know you know how proficient is it's like you get one and then 10 seconds later you're like I want the next one <laughs> yes and then it usually takes another month <laughs> at least at least so well, one of the things that always surprises me is people want to come to Belize and they almost see San Pedro as a layover place before they go permit fishing mm-hmm. and the permit fishing here is spectacular do you think that San Pedro itself is underrated do you think it's overrated? What do you no, think? No, uh, you know it's, you know we're we're a, we're a huge tourist destination. I think we're probably we are the busiest town in the country for tourism. We really are, and it, the reason being we've got the reef so close. You know, if you want to go diving, it's not a forty-five minute, one-hour boat ride to get there. It's literally ninety seconds. You know, you're right there. You're outside the reef. You're tied up to a buoy and you're diving, and then you know up and down the coast. The same with the fishery. There's no, there's no long runs here. You know, we can get in the boat in front of my house, and in five minutes we can be permit fishing. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's not too many places in the world that allow that to happen. And you know, it's a little different up here with the permit fishery. It's, it may not be your classic tailing. You know, the fish are coming up out of deep water and tailing on the flats, and you're seeing the tails. You do get that up here in certain spots in certain places. We have a lot of deeper water fish and a lot of schooling fish. But the numbers are just so prolific. You know, we've you've seen it. You know, you run into a school. There's thirty or forty together, and they're Maybe hanging out. And then pull my hair out. you know, and a lot of times, you know, pre post spawn, you know, you'll find those those fish in schools of hundreds. Mm-hmm. It's uh, I wouldn't say it's overrated. I wouldn't say it's underrated. It's exactly where it needs to be. You know, we protected the fish. The government of Belize in two thousand nine took bonefish permit and tarpon and put them um, legislated as catch and release only. You know, super proud that they did that and we were the first country in the world to do that. Really? So, you know, we've for the last seven years we've been you know, this this fishery has just gotten a little bit better, a little bit better because of that. Right. You know, and uh, there was a bunch of people instrumental in making that happen. You know, it's uh, it, was a, it was a great thing for the fishery. Yes, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. Now, you are not only a resident, but you also have your citizenship, which is quite a process. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Belizean Canuck. You really are. It's true. So how did the guys take to you at first? Were they like, who is this gringo? What is he doing? I've always, I've always had a, a really good relationship with the fishermen in town. You know, I don't, I don't step on people's feet. People don't, people don't step on mine. We've, we've always had a great relationship. You know, when you live somewhere for as many years as I have, or even if you're back home, you know, you become a part of the community mm-hmm. and the community becomes a part of you. It's, uh, you know, the, where the, the fly fishing community in San Pedro and in Belize in general is very, very, very close. Everybody knows each other here in San Pedro. It, you know, we're all a family, you know, I know everybody, they all know who I am and we, we're doing the same thing. You know, we're, we're passionate about our livelihood. We're passionate about the fish. And, you know, there's nothing like getting up every morning in the sun and saying you're going fly fishing for permit. It's just, it's, uh, we're really lucky. You know, we're blessed. Now, you also, you must realize that you're living a life a lot of people would call a dream. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's an excellent life. Your place is, we're right on the beach right now. You know, I sit in the hammock every morning drinking a cup of coffee, talking to you about life, love, and fish. It's awesome. You literally go to BC, experience the best of BC, and you come here. And you have this fantastic, or what appears to be this fantastic life. To the people who want to follow in footsteps such as yours, do you have any words of advice or, you know, um, any truths that maybe the public doesn't see about living 
such a life or taking such a gamble? I mean, you know, the biggest thing for me, I get it. I get this question a lot. You know, it's you know, oh, you know, will you live this this great, great, great life? And you know, I really am blessed. I do have a, a fantastic life. You know, with going to BC for a couple months and get to experience that, and then the rest of the year I'm, I'm in Belize doing doing my thing here. It's a uh, what people don't see is uh, it's a huge sacrifice. You know, like I haven't been home for Christmas, and I don't even know how long. It's been. I lost count. Yeah, and you're you close know? with your family. I'm, my family and I are really close. You know, it's only my brother, my mother, and father. So it's just the four of us, and I'm just always not there, mm-hmm. you know, because I'm down here. Do I regret it? Not one bit. But, you know, you do sacrifice that. You sacrifice a little bit of family. You know, they've come down here before. My brother's actually shown up in February for a month, thank God. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it, it's a big thing, and, you know, you, people, you know... Running a business in the Caribbean is not, at times, the easiest thing to do. It really isn't. Yes. You know, it's, uh, here we are, we're on an island, it's island time. It, you know, stuff doesn't happen fast down here. Right. You know, like Key Cocker's slogan, go slow. And that's exactly what it is. You know, there's times where you want to get things done, but it just doesn't happen that fast, you know. Right. The biggest thing that I've learned about living in the Caribbean is you have to be really, 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 patient if and and if you have that and you're willing to sacrifice certain things in your personal life and you know being away from family then then you got a shot at making it happen here mm-hmm. you know I've I, I see a lot of people come down and and they have dreams about living here and living here and then six months later they go home because they you know they just they don't realize that it, it's it's not as easy as everybody thinks you know, it's it's a tough. It's it really is tough. If you got patience and and you're willing to tough it out, and uh, it, it can happen. You know, I, I the advice for me if, for doing something like this, I just followed my heart. I always just knew I wanted to be outside, and I you know I've always loved fishing. I knew that working on a construction site or being in an office, I just knew that it wasn't for me. And I've, I've known that for a long, long, long time, and I just needed to find the right path to where I wanted to go and where I wanted to be. And, you know, you just slowly work toward that goal. And, and uh, I'm really lucky that I've found a place that that is my home. And I have great friends around me. I have a supporting family. And uh, I couldn't be happier, really. It's uh, As soon as I'm done, I'm going permafishing. It's yeah, great. <laughs> well, let's talk about that because you have to go guiding soon this morning. So I need to ask you some questions about fish. Shoot. I have so many questions, Will. I don't even know where to start. I want to ask you about winds. Why is the wind so important? I mean, every day this week, the wind has been different, and it's totally affected our fishing. I don't understand why the winds are so important to the production of the fishery. So it's kind of like, you know, all related to steelhead, you know, river levels when they're going up and down, you know, fisher, you know, like when a river's rising, you know, I that's... For, for us in permit fishing, when the wind's doing 360 degrees, that's kind of like the river rising for you, right? Fishing's going to get put off. They're not happy. You know, it. that's the easiest explanation. But like you saw this week, you know, saltwater fish, even if you have a cold front that comes from the north, they like a, they like a steady wind. The first day of a cold front, not not the best day. But if that wind stays from the north and it's light enough and it, and, it, and it settles in and it stays for several days, the fish come back, you know, it's just, they like that. But when the fish is going, you know, like the other day, we woke up, it was from the east, then it turned to the south, and it went north-northwest. I mean, it was, 
it was all over the place. And you saw it the other day on the Tarpon Flats when we, you know, the wind turned to the, the west-northwest. Instantly, it's a tarpon wind, so boom, we cross. We were there, we saw a lot of fish, and, that, we were only, and we were there, what, 40, 45 minutes? A lot of fish around. Boom, they're, they're there, we're having shots. And then all of a sudden, the wind just goes and changes right to the north, and within 10 minutes, the fish were gone. They're gone, they disappear. They swim out into the deep, they don't like it. And that's it. It was just like someone turned the switch on and said, all right, no more tarpon fishing. But does the wind change? Is it that it changes the water temperature? Is it that it changes bait fish or, or it changes, feeding habits? Yeah, it changes the way the currents come in. It changes the way the waves are going. You know, it, it's just steady wind is from one direction. It's always better than it going around, you know, like a Ferris wheel. Right. It's just not, uh, the fish just aren't like it. And permit especially... They just and then right now it's cold. It's cold front season, right? Mm-hmm. November, November, December, January in the Gulf. The cold fronts are coming from the Atlantic, cross Florida, Cuba, come across the Gulf, and uh, hit the Yucatan here. And we have a great because we're at the southernmost tip and we have that that big body water behind us, Chetumal Bay. We get we get weird weather systems, but we you know, like you saw this week, we've had north wind, we've had dead flat calm and hot like it was summer. You know, it's been a weird season this year, El Nino or whatever's happened, global warming, call it what you will, but it's been kind of the weirdest cold front season I've seen since I've been here. Huh. You know, we should be having a lot of north wind, rain. It, it hasn't rained a lot since I've been home. You know, I've been home two months now, more than two months, nine weeks since steelhead season. And uh, we really haven't had a lot of rain. You know, it's been a lot of... I we've, We were talking about this, my buddies and I, the other day. It's been a lot of... We feel like it's like Easter, you know, really, really hot and really windy, you know, like it's March and April. So what is a typical season here? Are, are there permit here 365 days a year? All three species, 365 days a year. Like I said, our, our dry season is going to start here in the next month or supposedly. February to June is like our dry season where we get the most consistent, you know, sea breeze or trade wind, call it what you might, will. Hot, sunny weather, that's usually it, you know. Uh, the summertime, June starts hurricane season in the in the in the Gulf in the Atlantic. So June to November, um, you run the risk of you know a storm passing by, but it's hot and sunny. Right. You know it gets really hot here. Like in July, August, it's it's oppressive the heat here um, and the humidity. And then cold front season runs November, December, January. You know that's when the cold fronts are coming across the Gulf, like I said. But uh, but the fish are still here. They're here. It's they're, just they're here the all, they live here. Yeah, they're here all year round. Their residents, you know, we get migratory tarpon coming in the summertime. Sometimes they show up as early as May, June, but it's usually like a July, August, September thing. Yeah. I think the tarpon fishing here is underrated. Because I think that everybody associates Belize tarpon uh, as being babies. And I've seen some fish this week <laughs> that are not baby tarpon. No. What do you, are you finding that? You hear the guys always saying, oh, you know, ba- ba- baby yeah. bones. Baby tarpon and Belize, and I'm going, what is wrong with you guys? I'm seeing huge bones, huge tarpon. Yeah, you know, Belize, we have a resident population of people. Some people have different opinions, but, uh, you know, fish up to 60, 70 pounds, we have year-round. And those are great fish on the fly rod. They really are. Um, Belize has a real, real healthy population, especially Savannah Flats out back here that you've seen. Has a great population of those 20 to 40 pounder they're they're everywhere there's hundreds of them swimming out there all the time it's and in crystal clear gin water it's one it's one of the greatest sight fishing tarpon flats in the world and uh but yeah i mean we've got great fish i mean in the summer summertime when the migratory fish are running you got shots at 100 pounders 120s 30s 140s 
but yeah, like you saw this week, we saw, we, you know, we saw fish, 50, 60, 70 pounders, probably the odd 80 that we saw. It was just a good week for tarpon fishing because of that west-northwest wind. And we were on the flats. I mean, I know a lot of people associate bullies tarpon fishing as, like, like in Turniff, you know, a lot of the times you're fishing in the murky water Deeper with water, intermediate yeah. lines and stripping no, it. No, this is, blind. this is, this is on the flats in anywhere from two feet of water to eight feet of water on white crystal clear flats. It's it's beautiful. It's like, uh, you know, I associate it with tarpon fishing in the Florida Keys. It's just, you know, you see the strings coming, you see them coming from far, light permitting, of course. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, they're just, uh, it's, you know, tarpon are, are wonderful. Tell me, tell me about the moon. Why does the moon matter? What is a new moon? Can you explain to my listener who, who has no idea about flats fishing, why mm-hmm. the moon matters? So, you know, for, for the solar flats, the new and full moon is the, the biggest tides and the lowest tides of the month. So permit fishing and most like when I, when I personally plan a saltwater trip, and, and I think most, most saltwater guides will tell you this, when I plan a saltwater fishing trip, whether I'm going to Hawaii, Florida, I like to fish the new moon. You know, the tides are good, but the moon is dark. The fish don't really feed at night. Like, you know, full moon, you know, if you have a full moon and it's clear out, you know, it's like daytime. You know, those bonefish and permit are out back on the tide at three o'clock in the morning chowing down because they can see, you know, if they can see, they're going to eat. So the, the tides, if you're permit fishing, the tides are important on the new and full. They're just heavy. They're coming in hard. Um, but the new moon is, is, is personally, if someone phones me and says, hey, I want to come permit fishing in April, I'm like, book the new moon. It's exact. I tell everybody, you know, mm-hmm. if you want to, any month you want to go permit fishing, book the new moon. That's it, you know. Right. Um, but book it like six or seven months in advance because it's probably not going to be available if you call me a week before. Yeah, exactly. You guys are smoking busy. It's been really good. Yeah, we're, um, you know, we've got uh, Belize is just it's really taken off the last several years, and um, you know we're all busy, and uh, yeah, it's been it's been really good. We've pushing a boat every day, you know. Yeah. I want to talk about the reality here. There are guys who are charging half the price who have a boat and a motor. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people are kind of undercutting because they want to get a deal. But then they're shocked when the fishing's not great or when their service isn't great. Uh, Do you get any grief for charging more than the average guy hustling down the street? I mean, for the most part, like anybody who's been established, and it's like anywhere else you go, whether you're fishing out of Jackson or you're fishing out of, you know, Bozeman or wherever you're fishing, if you're, you know, there's always going to be people that are charging less than should be the standard rate. And, you know, we we provide a service where our reputation is, is there. We have a storefront. We do a lot of marketing, you know, we have a website, you know, we have a tournament that we run, you know, we don't, we provide, I think, one of the best fishing experiences in Belize. And I have a lot of friends that, that are here in Belize that do the same thing, you know. Um, a lot of my buddies work at the Lodge El Pescador. They provide a great service for their clients and we provide a great service for our clients at Trace Piscados and my buddies down south, like the Garments and Punta Gorda. They provide a great service out of their lodge. But you always have those guys that, you know, and everybody's got to make a living. I, I, under, I understand that. But, uh, you know, it's, it's doing more harm than good when, when people are undercutting, undercutting, undercutting. They're 
usually, you know, they're just, it's, it's not a, you know, those people that are taking that charter aren't getting the Belizean fly fishing experience. Right. You know, they're not getting, they're not getting that. They're not getting, you know, they're not getting pulled into the wind going after that 25 pound permit shot. Mm -hmm. They're not working from at five o'clock in the morning, you know, at dark driving down the river because you want those first shots at those waking permit or you want to hit those rolling tarpon at sunrise. Right. Right. That's not happening. Like I said, everyone's got to make a living. I really wish everybody here would rally around. And, you know, if everybody was charging this, the same rates, and, you know, we would, it, would, it would be better for everybody. Coming up, Will and I dive into moons, winds, and permit frustration. Again, a sincere thank you to Hatch Outdoors. Hatch reels are made in Vista, California, and are complete with a sealed synthetic multi-disc drag that requires no lubrication. Entirely machined from bar stock aluminum, hatch reels have a one-piece reel foot designed for extra strength. Ranging in sizes from 0 to 16, there's a hatch out there for every fishery. Again, take a moment to check them out at www.hatchoutdoors.com. If people are coming to Belize, you know, do your research, you know, look, look, you know, go online, Google, you know, and look at reviews and look at photos and look at, look at the boats you're fishing out of and, and understand, you know, like... I live the fly fishing lifestyle. I do. I live, I'm on the beach. I'm in tune with what's going on. You know, I'm even on days off. I'm still up at five o'clock in the morning with my coffee on the roof of my house, checking the weather. Where's the wind coming from? If I was fishing today, where I'd be going? I'm at the dock checking the tide. You know, um, it's, it's just a constant, constant progression, mm-hmm. you know, and you just, it's, it is the lifestyle, you know, I live it. We, we're, we're not, you know, whereas guys in town might just treat it as a job, right? you know, or, uh, you know, other people that are doing it treat it just as a job. And, you know, I'm super passionate about it. Mm-hmm. Just it like you are, just like you are with your steelhead and, and, and uh, things you do, you know, it's not just, Oh, I'm just steelhead guiding. And I just think of it as a, as a paycheck. It's not like that for you. No. And it's definitely not like that for me. We we live it, you know, and that's, I think that, I think that translates into the charter program that we provide. I agree. I agree. Yeah. And on that note for other other people who are coming here, when you get to the hotel with all the brackish water and people tell you there's tarpon in it and that they'll take your fly, there's a big saltwater croc who lives in there. Don't fish it. There's a lot of other saltwater crocs around here. There is. There's a lot of saltwater crocs. You probably shouldn't wade in the brackish water. <laughs> a lot of people do that, right? I did it. Yeah. I mean, you know, that you can you can find snook back there. I mean, if you have a canoe or something, or you've got a kayak, but still, the lagoon system in San Pedro is not to be taken for granted. Yeah. You know, people will get lost. It um, pays to consult a professional, <laughs> yeah, is what I'm trying to say on so many different you, levels. You, you probably should not just, like, just start paddling. You won't find your way home. <laughs> Speaking of professionals... Can you enlighten me on bonefish here? You and I were having quite a, quite a discussion about why Belize has a bad rap for bonefish, for small bonefish. And you have shown me firsthand there's huge bonefish here. And people don't realize that. I know it's controversial, but I need you to touch on it. Um, okay, so, you know, I heard too, you know, before I came down to Belize, Belize has small bonefish. And if you spend enough time here and you know when to go, what to look for, tides to fish, places to fish. Belize has some very, 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 very good bone fishing can be had. 
It's usually on foot. It's usually not pretty. You know, it's not like white hard sand. You're going to be walking through some mud, walking on some crazy limestone. But there is large fish. You know, I think Belize gets a bad rap because, you know, it's not, you know, you're always, you know, you see people fishing muds or, or, you know, just not putting in the time to go and chase those things. You know, it's not, it's not like the Bahamas where you're going to get, you know, 10 shots at six pounders or seven pounders. You might only see one or two or maybe three really large fish in a day, but they're going to be impressive. It's, um, you know, I, one of my fishing partners, Jim, Jim Barchi from Scott Fly Rods has been down here a few times and he absolutely loves the bone fishing here. He's caught some hogs Mm -hmm. down here. Um, There's a picture in the shop with with just, he's got a fish that six, six and a half pounds out of inches of water. I mean, that's a beautiful, beautiful fish. And, you know, on a seven weight and it's just, you know, it was just, I loved watching him land that fish. It was nice. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, um, and I, you know, I fished the Bahamas and I actually, this last, this last, uh, summer, I actually got to go to Hawaii and fish with Mike Hennessy. If anybody ever goes to Hawaii, you need to fish with Mike Hennessy, Hawaii on the fly. You know, huge, I've never seen anything like it in my life, but yeah, I mean, Belize does have a wrap of small bone fish and we do have a lot of bone fish in that two to four pound range. Mm-hmm. And I'm proud of that. Yeah. I'm proud because that means we have a healthy fishery and those fish can get bigger. You know, we have a slower growth rate, you know, than, the, than, than say, fish in the Bahamas or Florida. You know, the fish grow slower here. Why? But, uh, I, you know, you'd have to talk to Aaron Adams about that. But that's, um, I don't know if it's a water temperature thing or is it just a different subspecies. But, you know, if you compare five-pound fish or whatever between the Bahamas and Florida, these ones, they, it's almost like growth rings on a tree, I think. They just, the fish here, I think, grow a little bit slower you know, and they have shoulders. They look like little footballs. Right. Um, they do. In Belize, we say they're thick. Thick. They're <laughs> thick. Yeah. Where do they go when they get to be double-digit fish? They hide in the mangroves. <laughs> it's, I, you know, honestly, I see the biggest fish on the, in the shittiest weather in places where you just never think they would be. Yeah. And it's, a, it's still a learning curve for me, even after almost 20 years. It's... It never ceases to amaze me when I'm walking down the flat and not expecting it. And it's like, oh, there's that seven-pound fish sitting right there between the mangrove roots, hanging out. And, um, yeah, it's, I, I'm still learning. And, and it's, uh, one day you're going to see it. One day there's going to be a very large bonefish, I believe, that's going to come out of the woodwork. I believe it. Someone's going to get a photo of it. Well, speaking of learning, um, I just I need, to, I need to wrap it up because you need to go to work. But I want to rapid fire at you. Ready? Mm-hmm. Number one most fascinating thing to you about Kermit? I don't understand why they never eat the fly. <laughs> Great answer. Okay. <laughs> so even after 20 years, you don't know. It's just, I mean, you know, you fish, you bonefish and, and tarpon, man, they, they readily like to eat the fly. And Kermit is just, you get those days where you know you land four or five. and But for the most time, they just, they're so, I don't know if, they just, they just, you know, it's damn frustrating. So that most of the time, you know, you can, you can, you can be 
the greatest caster, have the greatest equipment, and the most perfect, perfect, perfect fly, the most perfect setup, the wind's perfect, the tide, the moon, the heavens and the planets are aligned, and you drop that fly right in his wheelhouse, and he gives you the middle finger. Uh. And it's just like, you, and you just sit there and you're like, I just do not understand this fish at all. <laughs> as much as you fish for it and you think you got it figured out, you don't know shit. I mean, is it, how come sometimes they take crabs and sometimes they take shrimp? Does anyone know this? No, it's... You know, it's, it's, you know, like you saw the other day when we found that, that nice school of, uh, of fish and they were all happy and you put like, we, I mean, in five minutes we put what, three or four different bugs in there from big mantis shrimps to crabs to heavy flies. And what did we have? We had one that pulled out and looked at it for one second and that was it. They ruined my life. I know they ruined mine. <laughs> okay. Rapid fire question two. Number one, most shocking thing to you about bonefish over the years. What is How, you know, bone, bonefish. You know, they, they humble people. They really do. You know, it's like, I want to go saltwater flats fishing. I want to catch a bonefish. And, you know, it's a, it's a hard thing to do. It's not it's not easy. It's, uh, especially when they're tailing on the flats. It's not, uh, the, I think that surprises a lot of people. They come and they, you know, people, oh yeah, it's, you know, I've heard saltwater fly fishing is hard. And then they come here and they hook six, seven, eight, nine, ten bonefish and they don't land a single one. You know, it's, it's, you know, it's a learning curve, you know, and, and with that, I think people have to have those kind of expectations that, yeah, you're going to come down here, um, be it you're going to go to Bahamas, Florida, Belize, Mexico, wherever, Venezuela, you're going to go bone fishing. Just be prepared that, you know, it is a, it's a slow learning curve, saltwater flats fishing. You can't, you can't expect to go out there and, oh, I'm going to catch a permit. You know, I'm going to book a one day charter and I'm going to, I'm going to catch a permit. It's, it's it happens. Um, and you know, but it's, uh, it's a humbling experience, saltwater fly fishing sometimes, you know, and if, but if, if you've got the patience and you know, you really want to get into it, you know, get some great gear, get good, great guides, um, and read and do a lot of work and listen to your guide and, and it's going to come, that progression is going to come and, and, uh, First time you might lose ten bonefish, and then the second time you come, you might get five out of ten. And then you know you—it's—it's it's just a really slow learning curve. But uh, yeah. Number number one thing that surprises you the most about tarpon. Number one thing that surprises me most about tarpon is how close they eat it to the boat. Yeah, what was with that? The tarpon are funny, man. They get. I don't know. So when they're when they're hungry, sometimes those things will just be swimming, 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 and you'll have leader in the rod and they will still eat the fly right beside the boat. Are they just not looking up? I, I don't know. I think they just get so mesmerized about what they, what's going on. I mean, and I don't know what Florida guys will tell you, but you know, it's just, it's amazing that that fish that big will just swim, swim, swim and fall that fly, fall that fly and eat it a rod length away from the boat and usually jump right away and spit it. <laughs> yeah, no, I hate that but, too. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, you saw the couple days that we were out there for the afternoon's tarpon fishing, you know, the one that, that our buddy Brett hooked the other day and, and even the one that you, you got the first day that, that thing, it, they ate close. Yeah. It's crazy. And then, uh, I just, yeah, that, that surprises me a lot. That's the number one thing. And they throw the, the bug a lot too. And I mean, tarpon fishing, I, I, I consider success in tarpon fishing is getting a neat and a couple jumps. If yeah. they throw the hook, that that, that, that happens a lot. Right. You know, it's you don't always you're you're not always going to land a tarpon. Right. It's just not uh, not in the cards. I, that's how I measure success in tarpon fishing. If you can get an eat 
and you get a good hook set and you get a couple jumps out of him and you know you have him on for a couple minutes and he throws the fly that for me that's success you've you know you made him eat you tied a bug he ate it it's uh it's always nice to get him beside the boat you know but you know that's how i measure success in tarpon fishing what's next for will flack uh what's next there's some things coming down the pipe we're uh you know going to do some more things with the shop and the tournaments uh coming up this year again august four five six in beautiful san pedro belize the shop's expanding. We're um, actually opening a new um, Southern Belize permit operation. Um, that's going to start this spring. And uh, when you say op- you mean a, a lodging, like, yeah, like a gonna, lodge. Yeah, we're going to we're going to have a little uh, little permit lodge in Southern Belize. That's and insane. for me, it is the culm- culmination of a lot of hard work. And you know, it's my dream. It really was. You know, I. I, my dream was to be in Belize and to be fly fishing guide, and and I've 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 got that right now, and I'm I'm really happy with that. But this this new permit lodge is my baby, you know. This spring summer BelizeFly.com it'll be uh, it'll be on there. Uh, a little more travel, you know. I'd like to uh, take some more time. Um, super stoked! My dog's going to be here on Saturday from Canada. My lab Riddick, so I'm excited for him to be here. Finally, thank you, Dad, for watching him all these years. Um, <laughs> Yeah, just uh, keep chasing the permit, and uh, which reminds me, I have to go soon because I have a charter in fifteen minutes. Yes, you do. But um, yeah, I'm just really excited to uh, you know show Belize to people and show the fishing, and uh, I'm excited for you to come back. I'll be back. Let's not make it three years this time. It won't be. I'll be back next year. I promise. And then yeah, I'm next for Will Flack is Australia with April Vokey. Hell yeah! <laughs> <it is. laughs> I'm proud of you. Thank you. Thank you. You need to go fishing. All right. And that concludes this episode of Anchored. Thank you so much for listening. Please take a moment to leave a review about Anchored on iTunes.